Welcome to the 37th episode of the Gimme Golf Podcast powered by MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com. I'm your host, Meredith Kirk, and today we have Fred Heinz, frontman of the band Late Night Special. Fred, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast today, and you're in town with some shows, is that right? That is correct. I'm in town playing um, a couple solo shows, um, just on a solo tour, which is what I do when the band is off tour. I just kind of travel around and play, so this week I'm in Myrtle Beach, and getting the pleasure to sit here and talk with you. That's awesome. Now, are you on the South End? Are you playing all over the Grand Strand? Like, What are some of the venues? Um, so mostly on this trip, uh, I'm gonna be. I have been more on the South End. I played at Bubba's Love Shack last night. Mm-hmm. Um, a new spot called South End Bistro, um, down past Polly's, and then um, played Grumpy Monk tonight. And um, when I come down to Myrtle, it's it's all over the place. You know, there is so much music to be played down here. There's so many places offering music, and um, it seems like there's always a new spot opening too. You know, now that things are getting back to normal um so kind of played all over up and down you know the grand strand from basically pretty much wilmington to charleston kind Mm -hmm. of this whole coastal area you know i get to kind of explore around and i like to mix it up play different spots all the time when i'm doing the solo tours so oh that's great and it's almost like golf courses down here there's so many different golf courses as well music and golf uh, you know, those two things bring many people here to the beach. So I want to talk a little bit about golf, too, because there might be listeners saying, okay, why is Fred on the show? Well, there's there's reasons for this. You know, Fred is a great golfer. Um, I actually met you several years ago. You reached out to me, and I was I gave you a golf lesson and worked on your game, and I was just floored by how this dude, this musician with this long hair is out there killing it, could literally compete if you wanted to, in my opinion. Your swing was really, really good. I want to talk a little bit about your golf game as well. I think it's super cool that you play golf. Yeah, I um, I love golf. I got into it at a really young age. Um, well, I say young. Nowadays, young is like, what, two or three? You know, these kids are swinging clubs. But <laughs> I got into it around 10 or 12. I remember my grandpa had taught me, and I've just kind of been playing ever since. Um, but, yeah, we met a couple years ago. You're actually the only lesson that I've ever taken in golf, other oh. than, like, family <laughs> trying to give you some pointers or whatever. But um, I baptized you. <laughs> literally, literally, you know. So you you get into golf before you get into music, then? Yeah, absolutely. That's really absolutely that's played really golf uh, growing up. Um, like I said, my grandpa was a big player, and when he passed away, my uncle kind of took over where he left off, and that was kind of mine and my uncle's thing to go do. And eventually, we kind of drug my dad into it. He wasn't much of a golfer, but we drug him out, and he uh, he got into it. And then I played high school in golf. I think I missed the cut my freshman year on the golf team and then the next three years that we played in um high school and our golf team was pretty decent i think we qualified for states all three years that i played and um i was probably like a five or six player uh, shoot like 40s you know 45s in between there i was good in high school if you shot I played high school golf too. If you shot four low 40s or high 30s you were pretty good exactly you're pretty competitive yeah so so did you ever think about wanting to play in college um, you know, so I, uh, man, I'm like a jack of all trades. I've had many different jobs. I love like many different sports. Um, and 
in high school when I was playing golf, I don't know why I was so much hyper, more hyper focused towards football. Mm -hmm. And I played uh, (laughs) defensive end, which is crazy because that's that position is just not built for my stature of person. I'm 5'11". I think I was 220 max in high school. And uh, it just wasn't the right position for my stature, I guess you will say. So I focused a lot on football. And after um, high school, I had a chance to go play um, college football. And I just kind of decided against it. I had some family that had played. And they were like, man, you know, unless you really feel confident about pursuing like an NFL career, just, you know, be careful going out and playing because it's four brutal years on your body. And I kind of decided to take a year off of college then and that's when um I'd realized like man I should have focused on golf instead of football because I realized I didn't really want to play football in college and uh this that kind of was out of my life but um you know especially nowadays in the last six years I really do wish I would have went and played golf or like took it a little bit more serious because even still probably up until a couple years ago when I met you I never really had taken golf that serious and me and a couple friends had started playing, and my buddy was uh, at NC State in the PGM program, and he just kind of had sparked us all to be like, hey, like we're pretty decent at golf. Why don't we try a little bit harder? And uh, that's when I started to really chase the dragon here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's quite a it's quite a fun. So there was a point where golf wasn't cool though, because I remember back when I was in high school. Yeah, and me I'm too, because we're you, older than you. It wasn't <laughs> cool. It coincided with soccer season, and if you played on the golf team, yeah. you were kind of you know yeah you were kind of out there I was yeah. like I mean I was a dork I was yeah. the only girl on the guys team and I wore duck heads and well actually I wore my best friend was a surfer and so she was so cool so I'd wear like her surf t-shirts with duck heads and like bows in my hair it was awful yeah, it's, it, it's funny because all those soccer players are are now playing golf so yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah golf is cool yeah it's cool golf now. is cool now it's accepted it is it is <laughs> It but, has really blossomed, um, especially in these last couple of years, um, you know, with the pandemic going on and golf being one of the only sports that stayed open and alive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of new golfers, lots of new golfers. It, and it is. It is the cool thing to do now, it seems like. So. It really is. I think they said there's like six million people now that have yeah, come into crazy. the game. And then I know so many of my students and, and friends that have ordered new clubs, um, even my uh, my middle son ordered some clubs and they're literally on back order like he ordered some new wedges and it's like six weeks we don't even have a delivery date because Mm. even the manufacturers i mean and with employment not enough workers like they can't keep up right now which is a good thing because they're saying this growth in golf is almost bigger than when Tiger Woods won the Masters in the 90s. You know, we had that right. big surge of everybody getting into golf. You know, once Tiger came on board, golf was suddenly super cool. And yeah. But now we're seeing a new surge, which is really cool. But no, I think it's awesome that you play golf. Now, I want to kind of interweave your music in this. Um, so you got into music, you said, around 21 when we were talking earlier. About 21 when you got into music or tell us a little bit about your music journey and then I want to come back to golf too because you get to play golf a little bit with the music where you travel I would assume. Absolutely. They coincide (laughs) so effortless. You know they're so they work so well together. Right. For sure. Um, Yeah so when I was 21 um, or 20 or 21 I can't exactly remember the exact date I wish I had wrote it down but I had uh, a friend who um him and his brother played music and his brother was a year older than me and he was 
a year or two younger than me. And I we went over to their house one night, and everybody was going to the club, but the younger brother wasn't old enough to get in the club. And now he's like, hey, hang back, and let's play some music together. And I was like, well, you know, I can't play. He's like, I'll teach you a chord tonight. And, you know, he showed me a guitar chord the next day. I go back to my house. I'm like, I have this old beat up guitar that dad had because um, my dad was a musician too um he had a band called uh Fredenstein um <laughs> Fredenstein. and like right so when you're I was a junior born, I'm actually the fourth I'm Fred Lee Heinz the fourth um which okay. is that's my stage name when I play solo is Fred Lee I so you're the fourth I'm actually okay. the fourth. yeah <laughs> he's got a big title <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, so anyways, I take my friend this guitar, they get it stringed up for me, and after he showed me that I could do one chord, it was just like wildfire, like I couldn't put it down, and uh, somewhere in that time period, like we went to, probably within six months of me learning how to play a little bit of guitar, we went to a Tom Petty concert, and uh, that was my first concert I ever went to, it was Tom Petty and ZZ Top. And um, before the show, some guy I worked with at Lowe's played guitar, too. He showed me Last Dance with Mary Jane on the guitar. And we just happened to be hanging out before the show. And somebody was like, you know the lyrics to this song. You should try to sing it. And uh, I just kind of started spatting out some lyrics. And they were like, Fred, you can sing. I was like, I don't know about that, man. You know, like everybody knows this song. Everybody can sing this song. And um from there, the next six months just started writing music, you know, writing my own songs. I think I had, again, like I like to do everything. So I was like, I think the end of those six months, it had became, it got into winter time. And we went on a snowboarding trip while I like had gotten super confident on the snowboard and was trying to do some jumps. And I came off a jump, fell, broke my wrist. And breaking my wrist, luckily it was, uh, it was this it was my right wrist so it was my strumming hand so i could still play well like i was out of work for like a month and a half um and i just started writing songs in those month and a half you know i had a broke wrist i did nothing but sit there with my guitar and i started making up these songs that um were songs that i wrote which was really interesting because we'd just been kind of learning covers with a buddy of mine that taught me how to play and just kind of you know that's all we would do and i would never really sing um, and then when I started to write the songs, obviously I was singing the lyrics that were just weirdly just came right out of me. Like I've never really, I, I can sit down and write a song, um, you know, based around an idea or with a group of people, songwriters, I can do that very well. But a lot of the music that I write just flows out of me. Like it, it's almost like, um, like I'll make up a song at a show and something out of it will just be catchy or like something that I want to like build that song idea around and usually I'll just put my phone down and record it but that's kind of how it's always stemmed for me is just like throw down something that can record you know whether it be your phone or like a little tape recorder and kind of just freestyle for a little bit play into a rhythm and that's how like I started writing songs now once the songwriting started happening about a year year and a half into playing um, I had a buddy who played in another band and he was the percussionist as the in the band. And I just asked him, we'd played football together in high school. I asked him to join up with me and uh, go out to an open mic and play an open mic. Well, we invited all our friends to this open mic and everybody that we knew in our hometown Concord like showed up and wanted to see like, what are these guys? Mm -hmm. What do they think they're doing? So we get out there to this open mic and it's, you know, packed out 
we get up there, we do our thing, and like the whole time we're playing, you could just hear people being like, "Dude, where did Frank learn to do this? Like, how can he sing that good? He's never sang before, you know." Like people are just chattering, you're hearing it, and you're like, "Man, what do, do we have something cool going on here, Bradley? Is this thing like pretty mm-hmm. cool?" And the so after that open mic, we just started to go do that all over Charlotte. We went to wherever the open mics were, and. Um, I tell people all the time it's very fortunate to came up in Charlotte versus like an L.A. or a Nashville or a New York because Charlotte isn't uh, – there's a lot of good talent in Charlotte, but it's not overly populated with talent like Nashville or New York or L.A. You know, like it's not as a competitive town. So, like, we were able to break in the scene with a little less resistance awesome. of uh, not having the professional ability, you know, of, you know – musician who's played since they were 16 or you know Mm -hmm. since they were a little kid so once we started doing that you know just kind of playing all the open mics that steamrolled into hey here's a gig here here's a gig you want to open up for a band at this venue and we just kind of started doing that and um in 2013 we did our first full band show down here at the house of blues like our friend was doing a festival and he was like hey I really like you and Bradley, you know, as a duo, but could you like build a full band for me to put on this festival? And um, we put it together, came down to the House of Blues and played like a festival on the the back deck or whatever with a couple other bands. I think it was maybe Treehouse, a band called C2 and the Brothers Reed, a band called Queen City Dub, which actually happened to be from Charlotte as well. And then there was another, one other band. It was more of a reggae festival mm-hmm. kind of thing, but they had put I us would on. I love that. I love reggae. <laughs> yeah, reggae music is incredible. Um, you know, that's like when I first started playing guitar, I was listening to a lot of uh, reggae, Revolution, um, Dirty Heads, like just tons of different stuff. The Expendables, um, and all over the place. So we wrote a couple of reggae songs and i think that's like kind of what got us into that we we were playing them at the time when we'd go out and um that kind of got us on that festival after that happened we came back and a friend of mine's mom had passed away and instead of us all going out on halloween that year they wanted to do like a concert and they asked if our band would play and i was like that sounds like a cool idea rather than just my band can i build a show you know and so we built this show called the shakedown which eventually turned into a festival that i own in charlotte and we do that biannually and i saw that on your post on instagram yes yes so So, you you can go follow fred what is your uh, my instagram handle is uh fred lee iv and uh that's just fred l-e-e and then an i and a v like the roman numeral and then my band is late night special music um, on Instagram and you guys can get, go check us out. Like I said, we post a lot about the shows we do as well as, um, like I was saying, that festival that I started kind of birthed my music career in mm-hmm. Charlotte. You know, we hosted this festival. We brought one of the bands from the show down here in Myrtle Beach called C2 and the Brothers Reed. And then we had a local band from Charlotte. And I think the first time we did it, we had about 200 people come out and we were just like, this is cool, you know, so we'd crank it up the next year and uh, it just grew to like 400 and then as we kept doing it, we got it up to about a 1,200 person festival. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. We took two years off in 2000, well, three years, 2018, 19, and 20 because my band actually had started touring a little bit more and just 
playing so much that we couldn't really sustain the festival the right way. But when the pandemic happened, we decided to bring it back and we, we did one May 15th this year. And then we have our next one, October 9th. Um, and that's at a place called green life family farms in Charlotte. It's a, uh, CBD farm as well as like a local produce farm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. What an amazing story. You have so many gifts and talents, uh, you were saying, I don't know how I could tell you God has blessed you. I mean, it's amazing. I believe, you know, when it comes to like gifts and talents in life that, you know, they're irrevocable. Like I always tell that to, to my kids too, because I have two older sons now out on their own trying to figure out what they're doing in their lives and stuff. And I'm like, sometimes you walk into a gift you don't even know you had. Like my oldest son, for example, he never swam in high school. I always noticed like in the ocean, in the pool, he was like an amazing swimmer. Um, but he ended up being, you know, he's now become a search and rescue swimmer in the Navy, a really good swimmer. I mean, the stuff he can do underwater and all this stuff I never knew. And, you know, he's almost 21 and he's just discovered that that is like a gift. He, He never experienced it before. And I just believe my mindset in life is like you, sometimes you just fall into a gift that you didn't even know you have. He's like and a he's like a new golfer that just pops onto the scene and you've got someone that's been playing it. for ten years and he's yes. better than the person that Yeah, because I mean you think about all that's these what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah, he's you, about twenty one years old. Yeah, you think about like stuff. I mean, think about the musicians like the like the Tiger Woods, they start when they're three and their yeah. whole life is music, 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 and they never really break through and here you just it all just comes down it's like i just believe we're born with it we have to discover it yeah you you do you have to and that's another thing too is um i push people to learn like a lot of people say you know i've tried to learn an instrument but i can't and like failure is the thing that hinders people from doing it Mm -hmm. you know they're worried about failing but i remember trying so many chords that i couldn't do the first time i tried them you know it just took work and i remember the time being like man well like my friends play full songs will i ever be able to play a full two minute song you know and now i'm playing you know i'll play nine hours worth of shows in a day just (laughs) trying to you know hustle and make some money and uh same thing like you know if i have to learn like a group of songs for a wedding or something that i'm doing you know i'll sit down for a couple hours and just like crash and burn crash and burn crash and burn and then i'll walk away for a little while come back and then it's like there it works and it's like all that failure led up to like the practice that it you know you needed to actually make that work you know so a lot of people get discouraged you know like i truly believe you know we have lots of hidden talents Mm -hmm. but um if you're not willing to like you know break the ice on them you're you know you, right. you can't really get through the sweet stuff if you don't get through the hardships of like learning and crafting. Yeah. And when you totally. started, you probably didn't put a ton of pressure on yourself to learn that because that was kind of not your passion. Like you Mm-mm. said, okay. No, okay. there was no idea yeah. of like, you know, I never thought I could be in a band. I never thought I would be the singer or anything. Yeah. My friends, the two brothers that had played, were so good and incredibly talented. And it drives me nuts now because they don't play uh, anymore. Either one of them is actually like a. He works and I think co-owns like a choreography school out in, um, is it Lee, Tennessee? 
it's right outside of Knoxville or something. Mm-hmm. But um, they do now do dance choreography, which is cool because we're going to work with them on some music videos here coming up. But um, and then the other guy uh, ended up going to chef school in Ireland and coming back. He's a full time chef now. Wow. And uh, but he doesn't play music anymore. And every once in a while he'll pick up the guitar when I'm around and. It, it drives me nuts because I'm like you quit and I just kept pushing forward you know and you know it sometimes I feel like it maybe bothers him that you know I'm still playing not in the sense that I'm doing good but he's like what why did I yeah. stop doing it exactly. and I say the same thing because I always thought this guy like maybe I'll get good enough to be the rhythm guitarist in this guy's band like he's good he's right. so good he had a lot of super soulful voice but um so, Just, when, so in music, do you hit ruts? I mean, did he get to a point where it's like he's maybe in a rut in his music and gave it up? And yeah, is it like the Yips in golf? How does like that golf, where it's like, <laughs> you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, I'm struggling right now. I don't think I'm doing as well as I mm-hmm. should, so I give it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've pondered that question. I always asked him, like, why he doesn't play as much anymore. Um, I think he just got pretty busy with – the chef thing and then uh when he moved he actually moved to knoxville tennessee and ended up um getting married and having a kid and gotcha he crutches that excuse a lot life happened right yeah yeah Yeah. so and it's uh you know music's one of those weird things i see a lot of people get going really strong and then you know they have a kid or something changes in their life Mm -hmm. and just just the uh the mentality of like you know when you start to hit your mid 20s to 30s just thinking to yourself like well i'm not as established of a musician as i want to be or like this career isn't as lucrative as you know it needs to be to support my life at this age just that thought like is dangerous it's very dangerous i like because it's discouraging it is i mean it makes you just want to throw in the town say forget it why pursue this yeah why am i doing this yeah. like is this the right thing because you know i I definitely I have a girlfriend and I you know we plan to have kids and a family and um there was this time from like 27 probably up up until the last year and and these thoughts enter and cross my mind all the time it's like you know is this going to be able to sustain like are you is this something you want to do with a family like is this going to set you up to make sure you can support the family and stuff and um you know always like teetered with those doubts all the time but um I guess in 2009, for me in 2019, I was like really heavily like on the fence about this. Like, man, you know, it wasn't thinking about quitting, but I was just like, you know, I, I probably need to make sure I find some security somewhere else. Because like I said, just that stereotype of like, oh, I'm about to be 30, you know, I need to make sure, you know, I'm financially set. When in all reality, I had plenty of money. I have a spending problem, not a, I make plenty of money, but, um, anyways, you know, isn't everybody's problem, spending problem. Yeah. So like right at the, like really the peak of this, like doubt that I was having in my head, um, I kind of also had this thing like hanging on my back that was like, dude, something pretty big's about to happen for you, man. And, um, in 2019 I got asked my friends, they own a sound production company and they were on this tour with a company called nightlight events and it's a sky lantern festival that they do in probably 15 different uh locations across the country on a yearly basis and uh they were running sound and they're like hey we need a musician for the dallas event and i'd never been to one but i'd seen videos and stuff so they fly me down to dallas um and i just was fortunate to like the owner picked me up from the airport and 
because and we we basically rode an hour towards the venue and just had a nice long talk and just hit it off on musical taste and um just had like a really good intellectual conversation which he was like man i've never heard you play i hope you're good and i'm like you're the owner of this festival and you've never listened to me play but (laughs) <laughs> they needed somebody on the fly but I was kind of pumped I was like you know I felt very confident in what I do um I have a lot of like shows that get rebooked just because people like me at the show so I, don't, I feel that what I'm putting out is a good product that people will use again and so when he was telling me this we don't have a set musician we don't have anything I was like I'm gonna lock this down for next year like this was like the last one of the last two shows in 2019 that this tour did so show up in Dallas, and like I said, I wasn't really sure. I thought maybe I would get up there, and I'm I'm by myself without my band. Um, so I'm just kind of doing what I do, my solo shows, which I do a lot of looping and uh, like guitar work on top of like singing when I play my solo shows. But anyways, I show up in Dallas, and I had no clue what was going to go on. But there's like twenty thousand people in Dallas. You know, it's the biggest show I'd ever played. So were you nervous? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I was the only artist. <laughs> so like, it wasn't get, like you get you know, like hey, butterflies and all of that going on. Oh yes, yeah. oh yeah, definitely. And I don't get nervous a lot. Um, I definitely get nervous anytime I play a new spot. I definitely have a little bit more nerves than usual. But um, you know, this was crazy because, like I said, it was like it was twenty thousand people, and like usually at an event like that, you have your band at least, mm-hmm. and then usually at an event like that there's multiple bands on a bill and it was just me like I played for an hour and a half before they do this lantern launch at sunset and um it was just nuts I mean once I started like usually anytime I start the show the nerves are instantly gone like I'm in the groove I'm comfortable then but I was definitely nervous and I was like man you know like what did you get yourself into you told these people you could come out here and entertain 20,000 people well it just worked out you know after the show um, I stood there and signed like autographs and took pictures for about an hour with just a huge line of people. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever done. And uh, after that, the next day, they hit me up. And they're like, hey, will you fly out in two weeks and do the Flint, Michigan Festival? Wow. Was, was Detroit is the main area that was in. But And so I go out and do that festival two weeks later. But, you know, in between then, they basically got flooded with emails of people wanting to know who I was, you know. And so they introduced everybody that's, like, on their following to me. And um, we did the next show in Flint, Michigan. It went incredible. And then following that, we just kind of had planned to do 2020 together. And um, we started 2020 off in Phoenix, Arizona, and Austin, Texas. Kind of same ordeal. I think Phoenix was like 12,000. Austin, Texas was a little bit smaller. And I think that was because of like the the weekend we were in Austin was the weekend the pandemic hit. It was like right there in March. And uh, we pretty much flew home from Austin. And that was the end of the tour because, it you know, Obviously, everything COVID, started yeah, to shut or, down. Yeah. So, I, so how does nerves affect a performer? Like, if you're on, obviously, like in golf, you're on the tee, you're nervous, you're, you may not take the club. Oh, how yeah, does like, that affect? A, this is someone with no musical talent asking you. How does that affect? It it definitely will. Does it affect your uh, voice? Affect does it affect both? How you play both. You know, it'll start constricting your muscles. You know, like it's kind of the same thing in golf. Like if you're not in that flow state, you know, yeah. you're not really in a smooth 
swing path and thought like you will voice is shake you can tell your voice yeah is shaking, your voice will just kind of tighten up you know that. um my hands will get a little tight i'll yeah. start kind of playing a little bit you know it's not bad it's probably nothing that the average person could notice but as, yeah. a, as a musician you're like man what is wrong with me you know so and a lot of times too um I use the loop pedal thing with my, my pedal board. I love it. makes tons of great noises, makes the show more exciting. But they're susceptible to just random, weird, loud noises that you don't want in the set. And sometimes that will happen. Like, And, you know, it's happened before, like, in front of all these people. And I'm like, God almighty, dude, what's going on? You know, <laughs> yeah. that'll shake your nerves for a second. As you're like, oh, my because God. Because you're I trying just... to multitask. You're thinking about that, and then you're still having to play and seeing, like, you, you know, your brain's kind of going different directions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So sometimes that'll rattle my nerves. And you could tell, like, a song or two after, I'm just a little shook. I'm like, oh, man, geez. Can't believe that happened. You know how yeah. embarrassing. But really, nobody in the you crowd ever really noticed. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And, I, and like I said, I feel like I handled the nerves thing pretty well, just because, like I said, it's like, you know, I guess I could say like it being in, not necessarily golf, because I play some golf tournaments too, and I don't, I cannot shake the nerves in golf. Like I will totally. go out and shoot yeah. seventy-seven in the practice round, and then go out and shoot a almost a 90 just because oh, yeah. you know i let my nerves just get out of control yeah. and, and won't stay focused but um so nerves carry through golf whereas like football it used to be with football you know you're just like right before the game you're like oh god dude man i'm just feeling rough you know people are throwing up they're nervous just the you know? adrenaline yeah, like yeah. Getting... but then it's like as soon as first play happens it's like you're locked into this where, where exactly where you wanted to be you know and you're you not e- nervous anymore and you can express it better yeah. like in physical sports like you know how adrenaline works is you got to get you got to dump it so how do you dump it you could run you know physical movement can dump adrenaline but golf can't dump yeah. adrenaline and music can't dump adrenaline because you're right. you're stagnant like mm-hmm. you're static you're just you know there's no way but well, football you can get it all out you, you know, all those chemicals yeah exactly it's almost fuels the yeah. like that's the fuel you need in football exactly. it's like that adrenaline rush right. whereas i was never as nervous in team sports as i was for, for golf and i'm sure performing because it's just you yeah I mean, you're just there you are and there you were in front of like 20,000 people. Yeah. So that, and that was kind of that moment. Like I said, I was filled with um, heavy doubts. Like I'd kind of decided in 2015, we released an album in Charlotte. And then that year we played a pretty big show at the Visualite Theater in Charlotte. And we had some producers come out and they, after they saw us play, they were like, hey, we're going to get you guys um, a really good deal in a studio in Nashville. And so they took us to Nashville in 2016 and we recorded. And when we were there, um, we recorded at a place called Eastside Manor Studios. And that's actually where the Roots have their, um, they have two Grammys out of that studio. Uh, and the Roots is, that's Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's band. Yeah. yeah, house band. So really cool being there working in a studio where someone had recorded Grammy ordering tracks. And then just being there, the way the studio owners, like they kept bringing people in to introduce us to, or introduce those people to us. And they're like, have you ever heard of this band? We've never heard of them. Why haven't we heard of them? And you know, do you guys tour full time? No, this we don't even tour. And just like lots of stuff that was just kind of like building us up, you know, kind of like, man, this is really cool. And eventually I ran into a couple of my friends favorite artist in the studio they happened to be there working and it's funny the producer we were working with didn't even know who they were and uh i did and he was like telling me it was somebody different and like we ended up going out and talking and 
just having this great prolific conversation and after the conversation i was like dude you were in the same studio as joey landreth like like i don't know you you got to take this seriously man you got to turn it around because at that point everybody was kind of just still having fun and i was like uh on the precipice of like hey you know like i'm dropping this cash on this album and this opportunity because i I do believe in what we're doing and um obviously you're biased hopefully you believe in something you're doing you know so anyways i just kept pushing forward well when we uh, when i came back from that last trip in nashville and and meeting joey i was like man i'm gonna take this seriously so at the time uh when i got out of high school just a quick rundown when i got out of high school i took a year off college then went to cosmetology school because my dad is actually a hairdresser for the last 40 years, pretty much. And his dad was a hairdresser. Um, and that's why you have awesome hair. I love that's your right, hair. That's right. And I do. <laughs> I date a hairdresser now, too. So she's responsible <laughs> for my hair now. But, um, you know, so I did that uh, for a couple years. Just kind of found out it wasn't my thing. In the process of doing that, I worked for a guy that owned a food truck. And I was like, man, this industry is booming. So I went out and bought, like, a food cart started running the food car then we rented a food truck for a couple of years and kind of ran that we'd basically go to um call centers and do their lunches and it was incredible you know you show up at 11 leave at four and just crush because these call centers had 30 minute to hour lunch breaks they would come out and get food so quick so i did that for a couple of years coming back from nashville in 2016 i was like you know what i'm gonna sell this food cart and i'm gonna do music full-time because my booking agent actually from myrtle beach we had begged him forever to come down and play after we did the house of blues show and we could never get a show he has a cancellation he lets us come down we kill it he's like okay you're more than welcome to come here anytime you want now it's kind of like our tryout and in doing that, he's like, hey, have you ever played solo shows? And I hadn't. And I just lied to him. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I've played solo shows. So I come down here and make like a grand one weekend playing solo shows. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going back. And I, I quit. I uh, put the hot dog cart, the food cart up for sale and just decided to pursue music full time. And in doing that, I kind of made the decision right then that like, hey, no matter how heavy the doubt gets like you can't give up on this like you know and at that point too again we had met so many people like meeting joey landreth in that studio like he came in to the studio and was like hey i wanted to ask whose tracks these are that y'all are recording this is great you know and i was like really man damn i should ask you to record on him he's like dude anytime you let me know and just like those solidifying moments mm-hmm. to think like somebody that i've like really idolized is standing right here talking about working with me like giving you confirmation yeah. on what you're doing exactly it's exactly like, my, like signs in the road like mile markers it's the that was exactly yeah it is you have to have those it's like having that shot in your arm like you have to have those boosts because that that tells you internally, you know, like your compass is set in the right direction. See, I was thinking musical food cart. You could you could be playing and well, that, that, that could have been something. It's a lot too. of multitasking. We did do that. I mean, that was was funny. You can talk to the people at the call center, and we had such a good time with those people because they were uh, they were rough, man. They were they wanted like you know they would they would give you a hard time if you let them push you around, but they yeah. also like to be kind of pushed around a little bit. But we would sit out there and, and play. I would play guitar because I would always bring my friends to work with me because it was a cash business. And my friends, if it was their day off from work, I'd be like, "Come on, come out, make you know, hundred, two hundred bucks with me," you know. And because um, I was really crushing it with the food cart, like that actually was a very lucrative industry, and I had had it dialed at the right time. But um, 
we had this plan early and it's still not over yet because my brothers i have i'm the oldest of five i have a sister that's next in line and then three brothers after her oh my goodness that's a big family yeah yeah my dad wanted more kids but my mom was like no 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 she did good with five (laughs) yeah we're all within eight years too so it was just like bam 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 slammed us out but anyways (laughs) uh my brothers ran the food truck as well with me and i just had this plan i was like you know maybe once we get pretty big i don't know if you guys ever seen the movie chef that's um i haven't seen it john what's his name john favre or farver or whatever his name is he does all the. he's the producer for like all the uh Marvel movies and stuff like that. But anyways, this guy has this basically food truck and he just goes around and uh, with his kid and they go all over the country hitting these farmers markets and they make a meal and his kid's like uh, social media savvy. So he uh-huh. posts everywhere and makes them successful. And so they're That's traveling cool. around doing this. But I had this idea. I was like, man, you know, if we ever do get to a point where we make it big, how cool would it be to have like a food truck that follows the tour bus and like at pre-show we feed these like, like crowds branded. Yeah, branded. yeah it's a branded yes. thing and it's like here's yeah. our food truck we do like a celebrity appearance at the food truck before every show and like kind of who knows get up play three songs That's on awesome. top of the food truck and then like you know yeah. let my family run that because it, like i said it was it was such a lucrative business i was like man that this would be something to tag along on the road you and need just, a big food truck you would big, yeah. yo you would you would you need a lot of stock and like almost like the size of like a, one of those massive RVs, yeah. like a bus. A bus yeah. yeah. Well, that was kind of it, you know. After that weekend coming down here to play those shows, I realized like, hey, you can make really good money playing music. And I was like, um, the food cart was sixty to eighty hours a week. It was so much, man, because I was I was the owner, and uh, you know, after work hours, you'd just turn around, you'd have to go get prep done. And at the time, we were playing. It'd be like we'd get up at seven o'clock, cook the food get out to the place by 11, get done at four, driving at like almost 45 minutes back home, unload the truck, um, load up my truck with music equipment, drive back to Charlotte, play <laughs> wow, a venue. It's a grind. It was tough. That's yeah. Grind, and so I was yeah. kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm spreading myself too thin between these. Like I've made some good money with the food truck. And at the time too, Charlotte's food truck industry, when I was getting out was about to explode. Like within a year, it had went from like 30, food trucks within a i don't know 50 mile radius to like it just boomed wow. it was well, like I think a couple Beach hundred just allowed food trucks a couple of years ago i don't that hasn't been very mm-hmm. long here yeah i've no, i've been. noticed a few and you I, gotta there's, there's a there's a application there's a big process yeah. you have to go yeah. through. Oh, sure. there's a lot Beach, that goes yeah. into it a lot of red tape um well i mean getting to let's move to golf a little bit how do you play golf on the road do you ever get to do that or you know at different shows take the time out to get a round of golf in how does that work for you um you know lots of shows are at night so anytime we can play you know during the day anytime does your band play um nobody in my band plays um do they know that you're good not really they know um, that i play a lot if you're listening to this podcast uh late night special guys <laughs> um the guy can play he can play some golf i've seen it i'm witness to it <laughs> yeah they um a couple of them have wanted me to get them into it and i told them like now's the time everybody's in it but uh we definitely i make time 
to play because you know coming out of high school I think that when our last tournament in high school was states and you know it was my senior year golf season was in the spring right before you graduated I was playing pretty good and we were on the way down to the state tournament and somebody started talking about the shanks and I was like I've never got the shanks <laughs> I got the shanks in the state tournament and like went from shooting like an 84 to shooting like I think I shot 90 90 92 in the uh tournament my coach was pissed well, I was just like I'm done I'm gonna quit golf uh, <laughs> everybody so I, says that when they get the shanks I'm going to quit golf the worst feeling it's, in the it world. is the worst because it's like how do you get out of it and yeah. I literally did I quit for two years and uh just didn't play and then uh, weirdly a friend of mine that we had became really close with we started playing um I realized that he liked to play and uh we just started going out and playing again and then eventually he he was the guy that his mom passed away and we ended up having the concert at his house and then through that we built the shakedown together and just through that we had always been good friends and he went to nc state uh to the pgm program for a while and that kind of sparked our interest in like hey you know we started to realize like you know like yeah we're not pro level good but like we are still in the top 10 percent you know we still you know are a lot better than most of the people out there we also started to notice that a lot of people we play with don't really play legit you know it was like well we we play really legit like ball down taking every stroke you know maybe take two off the tee is about as far as we push it you know but it's like you know man if we're like this decent and we play legit, you know, like, you know, what what could we do? So we started just chasing it down, man. And um, <laughs> we do a lot of amateur tournaments and stuff and just try to keep grinding, you know. And so we, I make time for golf. You know, all shows are most of the time at night, um, unless I'm doing some, like, double duty on the weekends. But I really try to make a lot of time for golf. And it's been a thing. I actually started pre-pandemic. We started going out, and I just fell in love with walking. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we walk, we would go walk 18 holes in the middle of the summer. So, like, once you got the stamina to do it, I started doing this weird golf workout where I'm, like, walking with my bag on my back. I would do 20 squats on every tee box and 20 push-ups on every green. Oh, my gosh, And just, cool. like, get my cardio up because, uh, you know, especially on the days where the golf wasn't going so good, I'm like, I got to get something yeah, accomplished yeah. out here. So I would just start doing like these it. workouts and uh, – Going moving into the pandemic, um, I don't know. I lost about forty pounds just yeah, like staying like active, working through golf, you know, walking all the time. And so I got really fell in love with that aspect of it. So kind of started to use that as my exercise source um, versus having to make time to go to the gym. You know, I could really get two things done at once and work on my game. And since you know we had had the lesson, really the lesson was like what turned it around for me. When I had that lesson with you, I don't know how, but it just like took ten strokes off my game, and I just kept like. I was like, man, you know, just really should work at this more. Like, if I actually worked at it, maybe yeah. it would pay off a little bit more. And um, I remember watching you swing, and I'm like, gosh, he's got so much talent. Like, it, it just, <clears throat> you know, I get so used to, you know, having students, you know, I've, you know, swing after swing after swing, and then every now and then I'll have a student that just kind of really captures my attention when it comes to just the raw talent. And I remember, gosh, this guy has talent. Oh, my gosh, he's got so much talent. I'm not just saying that. I really mean that. I don't say that to everybody, but you really have a lot of raw talent there. You could pursue golf if you wanted to. 
or at least have some fun skin games. Well, that's the weird. That's the weird thing, you know. Like we're trying. I'm trying to keep it heavily in. When the pandemic hit, you know, we really took off and started playing all the time because that was all there was to do was go play golf. And um, I'm very fortunate. I work with a company on Instagram called the Bag Tour, and um, they're based kind of around Charlotte. But they are. It's a really fun group of guys. They've created this. platform on instagram where you can basically join with them and become a sponsored golfer at any level they have you know tiers and levels and you become a sponsored golfer so we we got to play a lot of golf with them through the pandemic and that kind of again just sparked the interest and music had almost disappeared for that for me it disappeared for that one month of march like it was like music the shutdown happened there was not a lot going on following that i didn't get a break like for some reason private shows just went through the roof and um that tour even though it got canceled we somewhere in october got to go do five shows across the country that were like ten thousand plus events it was almost had to reinvent yourself it took that month to figure out yeah and i was going to reinvent myself as a golfer i was like i i'm going to focus on golf and this is going to be my plan b for right now and maybe i can you know get dialed in enough to because I like I said I was like maybe I'll go back to school and and pursue a career in golf as well you know I wasn't giving up on music but I was like this is weirdly scary either way it turned all back around and just been super busy with music since the pandemic happened which is very fortunate but um you should enter the North Carolina the men's uh qualifier to get into the amateur open yeah, see, I'm I'm working. I'm working. I gotta work. My I'm still working pretty hard on my swing. Yeah, I've got to dial it in. Um, and what you know, what it was, what we talked about earlier is the uh, the nerves. You know, like if you know, that's really if you could teach that. You know, the mental, um, just having you know mental stamina for golf right like if you could if you could teach I could, actually no and i have I mean, a degree in counseling yeah <laughs> i mean seriously you almost need a counselor it's more called, than al- you need it's called alcohol a couple beers before that does not never helps me never helps me <laughs> no, it doesn't help me either. nerves bring the nerves down yeah. no but right it's it's you know it's like ben hogan said you know the golf game is it's the four and a half inches between yeah one ear to one ear yeah. it's and it's up it's up here it's it's a mindset of of being able to execute perform what your goals are under the pressure but i would say this i mean to sing i can't even imagine singing in front of 20,000 people i mean i want to have a horrible voice and i would never be in that position but to do that if you can do that you most certainly could perform under any type of pressure with golf I can tell you that as an instructor. If you can do that, you have the this the mindset, the mental framework, so to speak, to be able to translate that into another area of your right. life. Right, and it's <laughs> tapping into that. Once you can tap into that, that's when it well, gets for real. A lot of it's being confident in what you're doing. Like you're a confident singer now, yeah. and it's like it's all about routine it's about too. Confidence. And it's all about routine. I used, I, I used to yawn a lot. That would yawn. be the one thing to get oxygen to your brain because I play when playing high school golf. We played in. Six would you force yourself to yawn? I would. Really? Yeah, and it would and put it, more it oxygen helped, in your it brain. Helped, yeah, so it cool. brings more oxygen. That's that was a golf tip I read one time, and I would literally well, do that on the golf course. Yeah. I would just okay yawn. It kind of just brings you down. It's so but, funny yeah. you, you go through those things because yeah. you know golf's such a weird game. It's it's um, 
you know, your body's ever changing and, and feeling different every day. So you wake up approaching it every day. And I remember actually a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember what it was. I was just flipping through Instagram right when we were playing and you were given like a tip. I think it was like to keep your shoulders and, you know, your mm. feet and everything in line. You know, you bring your hands down in front of you. Right. And I just started doing that. And I'm telling you, the next two rounds I shot in the 70s, no problem. Like, like not even playing that great, but still shooting in the 70s. And because uh, it was something I was having a lot of trouble with is getting my feet going this way. My shoulders are still going this way. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just like those, you know, every once in a while you find one little tip that helps you. And you hyper focus on that. Right, right. Yeah. Aim and alignment, yeah. And yeah. dude, that helped me so much for a couple of weeks. And, uh, but it's funny, you know, you start to like, crutch on that one thing that you remembered seeing you're like well that helped me last time and sometimes you start to overcorrect on those things and you that take ends it up too far down the road exactly yeah. so and yeah. like i said you, you you're waking up every day with a you know especially the older you are you know you're waking up every day your body feels a little bit different or wait till you get you feel, 43 i mean <laughs> you're 30 you're still a young gonna, babe <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I use my youth while i can um I always say, you know, when it comes to the golf swing, you know, aim and alignment, that's a golf fundamental. And I, that's why it works for you. I always like to remind people when it comes to golf, when you're struggling, when things start to collapse, always go back to the fundamentals. It's like the reset button in, in an electrical outlet. You know, that little button you hit, you know, on your electronics, it's the same thing. So you just hit reset. So how do you hit reset? Well, it's the fundamentals. So, you know, it's aim, it's alignment, it's grip. It's your stance, getting into the athletic position, and then, you know, think about the takeaway, the first, you know, six to eight inches the club leaves, keeping that nice and square. Sometimes just going through your pre-shot routine, using the fundamentals for your pre-shot routine. Like, for example, my pre-shot routine has been the same for 30, over 30 years now. I've been, I mean, I've been playing golf since I was six, longer than that, but I've had the same pre-shot routine, and it's always this. The first thing I do is I stand behind the ball, and I find my intended target. Like I really focus on it. I mentally, not only do I find the line, but I tell myself I'm gonna hit that target. Like I talk to myself, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, I yeah. can do that. And then when I step behind the ball, then it's, then it's aim, the club face, and then it's body alignment. So you get the club face square, then you get your body square, mm-hmm. and you get into that athletic position, and then one of the last things I do is I, then I grip it. I'm gently holding the club, but then I really focus on the placement of my hands and the pressure of my hands. And then I just look at my target, reconnect with, oh, I'm going to hit that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. That, do reassuring and, yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I motion out the takeaway, sometimes I don't. But regardless, I go through that every single time. And when you go and work through a system, that is the, that's the key to opening up the door to letting go of the mental side, the, the stressors and the pressure. Because then what you do is you take yourself out of it. You take the pressure off yourself. I can't trust Meredith. Like I don't trust myself all the time. But one thing I can trust is my pre-shot routine. Right. So when I get stressed, I sit there and say, you know what, Meredith? This is not, this is, the pressure is not on you. It's, you just do your pre-shot routine. And nine times out of 10, you have a really solid shot. Yeah. So I don't have to trust myself, but I trust the routine. And so instead I translate the pressure to the pressures on the routine. It's not on me. Right. It's the routine that has to, to, to perform. And if I do everything right, I'm going to have a good shot. And that's, that's for me is, uh, staying in golf mentally. Um, 
it's like, you know, I'm, I'll use my routine and it'll be going great. And then I'll have like a bad shot and maybe I'll forget to use my routine. That turns into two bad shots. Or it's like I'm using my routine and it's going so well. And then that it's going so well that I feel like I don't need need the routine today. And that's when it starts to go to shit. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, so you have to remember, you know, like, hey, you know, stay focused. Like, you know, staying focused is the hardest thing. I mean, your cell phone on the golf course is the worst. That's one thing, you know, um, having a musician schedule is pretty lackadaisical in a way. Like, it's very, um, you know, you're on your own schedule. You make your own schedule. But I also work. Maybe I only work 40 hours a week. But those 40 hours are scattered over, you know, 120 hours. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's so... You know, get being distracted on the golf course by my cell phone or like having to answer a call for, you know. So you have a pre shot routine, but you don't have a set daily routine. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and then it's harder to implement a routine if you don't have somewhat of a daily routine. Like everything is synced, everything is connected. It kind of just. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's tough. Like when I'm home and like during the pandemic, I, I probably why I got so much better at golf was. You know, we were playing a lot every day. We were going through a routine. You know, I'd wake up every day, go work out. Then we'd go to the range or we'd go play. You know, it was just like setting a pretty good routine. Right. Once we got out on the road um, earlier this year, which was kind of the first or actually back in the fall, you know, like once we got on the road in the fall and like basically flying out on Thursdays, um, you know, you're out working all weekend, not getting to swing the club because mm-hmm. I I wasn't bringing my clubs out to these right, events and sure. stuff. I just didn't quite have the time. But then you're flying back home, or you're driving a car for a couple hours, you know, and then you try to play Monday through Wednesday. Yeah, it's just like it's, so it's hard to find the yeah find yeah. the consistency and uh, and keep yourself like in that groove. So that's been tough. But again, if it was my career, if I knew like you know. Yeah, I don't know. My bills had to be paid by it. I would probably be a little bit more structured and routine with my <laughs> golf game. But uh, fortunately, I am with music, and that is my career right now. And uh, I have that a little bit on a better lock than the golf. Well, game, I can tell you, I I love um, one one. I'm I'm blessed to know you as a as a person, and it was fun working with you. And I'm I'm glad we've kind of stayed connected, even if it's just through social media, just you know, keeping up with Absolutely. what each other's doing and stuff. But what a amazing voice you have um you know anybody listening you've got to go check him out um fred is his voice is amazing it's like very soulful it's um your voice is very soothing it that's just like every time i hear your voice i'm like oh my gosh this guy like when's he gonna just have like all these albums out because to me you're just absolutely amazing so i'm it's truly an honor to have you on our show. It's so cool that you're often in Myrtle Beach performing. Uh, I just want everybody listening to know that you actually, you know, you could be in town and Fred could be performing. So I want to give um, our listeners right now, um, go ahead and tell them ways that they could follow you, that they could connect with you. And then the last thing after you do that, I want to find out your number one favorite course in Myrtle Beach. Okay, that's all right. I'll have to ponder on that one because there are some great <laughs> ones that I've played. Um, yeah, so if if you're looking for us, you can go check us out. Check out our website. We've got a merch store. We've got a lot of upcoming dates and stuff on there. That is latenightspecial.net. And uh, you know, if you're on social media and whatever, you can find us on Facebook, Late Night Special Band, or uh, Instagram is at Late Night Special Music. And um, 
you can kind of just catch us all around. Uh, we had some good luck this last year. We got on the Pat McAfee show, which is uh, Pat McAfee was the punter for the Colts. And when he retired, he went into broadcasting. And I, I want to say, again, I'm not 100% on the story, but I think he turned down ESPN, like a job with those guys, to actually go start his own YouTube channel. And uh, they've just had immense success. And if you don't know Pat, he's just got a incredible personality, like just a true go-getter, funny guy. But um, anyways, we got on their show last year, and they've been spreading the love of the music. With um, We released an album back in 2020, and they've been spreading that album around, kind of just sharing the love. So that's helped us you know, get a little bit more national recognition and everything. And like I said, we have a new album coming out so here exciting. in a couple of weeks. So. What's the um, – can you tell – is there a title of this album? There is a title. It's called Dance the Night Away. Woo, um, love it. And we're basically going to be releasing a couple EPs over the next couple months, which an EP is not like a full-length 12 to 14-song album. It's more of like a anywhere from four to eight songs. Mm-hmm. So probably do four to five songs on each EP. This first one, Dance the Night Away, it's a little bit more groovy, a little bit more dancey, uh, kind of has... Um, you know, our our agents kind of referred to it as like almost this Daft Punk feel, mm-hmm. which was cool. You know, with Daft Punk retiring out of the game, maybe we can slide in and get a little bit of the action. But um, yeah, and then our next EP, our next couple EPs, they'll be different. They'll be genre different. Like uh, the next one will probably be more like of a psych rock, and then the next one following that is kind of more like a. Uh, kind of like sultry singer-songwriter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're going to try to gear up for 2021 and do a full-length album with um, just have a big list of producers, right. uh, some people from Nashville and L.A. that I've been itching to work with. Um, it's just not not that it's been completely out of range, but it's just something I didn't feel like we were quite ready for. But I think now like really looking forward to like moving forward and, and working with somebody uh, the people that we want to work with are people that have worked on, you know, major records with a lot of different artists. And I've just became, like I said, when I decided in 2016 to delve into this and like do it full time, I like just started researching like every angle of like how and what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I stumbled across and, and kind of ran into this producer vein, you know, like the producers on a lot of these tracks that you hear that are top 40 hits from now even back into the like 50s like you know the producers have a lot to do with like helping an artist capture a sound and bring it and elevate it you know right. bring it to the best potential right. so it's well, kind that's of exciting so yeah. you have that and gosh so so many good things are happening for you i hope you keep up your golf game i know you're in myrtle beach performing this week and we'll be often here like you always are yeah. you know it seems like at least once a month you're, you're here doing a gig yeah. um which is really cool what golf course do you like to play when you're here and I have really, really, the last, let's see, the last six months we've played a lot of really good ones. You know, I really like Heritage. Mm-hmm. Heritage has been a really fun one. That's um, a good one. I have not played True Blue or Caledonia yet. And I've been itching to play those. I've heard a lot of good things about those. But um, Heritage has been really fun. The Witch has been really fun. I don't know why I like that course so much. A lot of people like the witch. A lot of people do. It's just such a uh, very cool layout. 
It's got that vibe. No, no homes know. around it. You're kind of out there mm-hmm. in nature. It's yeah, nature. yeah. Being out in nature yep. is really cool. Mm-hmm. But I liked Heritage too. The the just the uh, layout of Heritage was really fun. Um, but I'd say those are two of my favorites that I've played. Those are good. Ones, yeah, those know. are really good courses. All right, well, Fred, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. Thanks and you guys, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, so guys. what a Thank great story. So I mean, yeah. seriously, you're so gifted. Love your music. Um, definitely want people to check you out. Um, yeah. Definitely worth if you're in Myrtle Beach. Um, go to latenightspecial.net. You could follow them on the um, handle Late Night Special Music. Um, you can follow Fred. You know, just. Check them out. Uh, so definitely something to do in Myrtle Beach. We have golf. We have music here. What a, what a great place to vacation and relax and, and just enjoy life, right? So thanks for coming on the show. And um, maybe we'll have you uh, have you on again. And I want you to enter the, the men's uh, open the amateur qualify for it Fred yeah okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. try I really do want uh, that's that's a big goal of mine in 2022 is to play some more serious tournaments because that's really haven't played a lot of tournament golf since high school and uh, I realized this last year that it's a little different you know like I said that pressure factor I won't I'm like I have to conquer that. I have to conquer that. I want to go out and, and play some good rounds. So I def- you definitely might see me getting in that because awesome. 2022, I would love to do that. I want to do some more uh, national and international touring in the music business and uh, get some more albums out. And then in my golf game, I definitely want to just keep stepping it up a notch, you know, okay. take advantage of, you know, the time, you know, it's in 10 more years. I, I don't know that I could perform like I'm performing now, you right. know. So enjoy the enjoy your peak. Yeah, enjoy the peak. Enjoy Golf, the youth. You know, music. I said something to somebody the other day. I was like, I don't know. Me personally, and this is nothing against anybody who does get lessons, but I would say after the age of fifty, I don't want a lesson anymore because I'm I'm gonna probably be so frustrated that I can't do what I used to be able to do. It's gonna be like I don't know if I want to play anymore. Right. But uh, you know, golf's that game. You can play forever probably the day you die yeah so, it is it's, yeah. it's a game of a lifetime yep all right fred well thanks yeah, for coming cheers on. you guys thanks so much man thank you